This is The Playbook. Welcome to Entrepreneurs, The Playbook. We have hijacked the Next Stage podcast here in Toronto at the biggest web tech event, Collision. And I have an extraordinary guest with my co-host, Joe Tolzman. We have Amy Bernstein here. Welcome to The Playbook, Amy. Thank you for having me, David. I've been very excited about having you for two reasons. One, Harvard Business Review has been a great source for me mm-hmm. of information. Oh, I'm a- glad to hear that. True information. Yes. Which I used to not have to put that before we talked about information. Um, and number two, my daughter just graduated uh, and was a journalism major. So mm-hmm. she actually wanted to get into media and journalism as it is today. Mm-hmm. Um, doing research on you, I always love to see the journey, the journey of the journalist. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's so many varieties of journalists. So for you, I'd like to start there. Um, when you were my daughter's age in college, uh, what was it that you really wanted to do or thought that you wanted to do in your career? Well, when I was your daughter's age and graduated from college, what I wanted to do was teach Latin and Greek in high school. <laughs> so good. that's where all journalists start, right? Right, that's wonderful. And my mother... Wait, I have a quick question. Yes. So, how, what was your essay, if you don't mind me asking? I got to know. Are you going to ask your, me my essay? Your English, the English one. Because if, if Latin was your gig, it had to be a high score. Yeah, it was like... Uh, it was... Well, it was like 670 or oh, 690. Yeah. Isn't figured. that ridiculous that I still remember? <laughs> well, I remember mine because I have the lowest of all my, my... My siblings all went to the Ivy Leagues, including Harvard. My brother got a 1580, mm-hmm. and, and he protested the one question that he missed. Oh, he protested? Yeah, and then he that appealed it, I guess. And then he took it again, and he missed two. So I said, that serves you right. Yeah, that, um, that's karma. Yeah, <laughs> and when I took it, no one... Remember you would buy, I, I think you and I are maybe close to the I'm same I'm a little vintage. older, but yes. Um, <laughs> but you did, there was no tutoring. You right. bought that big book, book <laughs> which you then never opened, right? <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> right? exactly. And there were only two tests. I think there's three or more now. Yeah, I've, yeah. I've lost. And then through COVID, I, I have three daughters mm-hmm. that are in that age range, and then one son who's younger, and then they don't even make you take it anymore. Oh, uh, right. Right, for COVID. So now, now it's become a whole other story. But so, you know, everybody starts somewhere. I, I wanted to be a professional football player and then a doctor, <laughs> then a doctor, then a lawyer. And I actually went to law school, graduated to get into technology. Yeah. So I'm a big fan of an open mind and an open heart when it comes to careers. Right. How did that open mind that you had an open heart lead you to journalism? Well, you know, I... I when I was your daughter's age, everyone wanted to know, where do you want to be in five years? And my answer was, I have no clue where I want to be in five years, other than, you know, as I said, teaching Latin and Greek at the high school level. Um, my, I was going to go off to graduate school, and my mother, who is an advertising executive, begged me to put it off for a year, just try working. And when I graduated... The first job I got, there was 10% unemployment in my cohort. It was 1982. Took me forever to find a job. And the first job I got was as a clipper, a job that does not even exist anymore. (laughs) Newspaper clipper for the CBS News election unit. And I fell in love. 
there I was, you know, in the middle of election coverage. It was a it was an, uh, a midterm election, so it was Senate and governor and House races, not a presidential. But I just because of the job, I immersed myself in the political scene and could not get enough of it. And that was it. I never looked back. I love it. And Joe, you came from Croatia, so I don't even think you knew English. <laughs> I could say hello and I could smile. So that was that was my beginning here. <laughs> and as a very successful entrepreneur here in Canada, where did your first job start and what did you think you wanted to be? So I, I always wanted to be the boss. I wanted to get things done. I wanted to solve problems. So that's what it takes. Like, got to be the boss to make that happen. So when I came to Canada, I couldn't speak a word of English. And I figured I, I need the opportunity to be interacting with people so i got a job at dairy queen <laughs> and uh yeah that, that helped me a lot hey, what did you do at dairy queen i was selling ice cream but i was i started with flipping burgers so that was that was easier that was less stressful than selling ice cream at the till yeah and when you got to the till was it a challenge yeah yeah i was sweating it was it was really uh overwhelming i i, I love it because especially kids coming from college in my clearly my own kids they see where we are today mm -hmm. right you hold one of the highest positions at harvard business review as an executive director and i'm sure there's some 21 year old right now thinking well you know maybe i should just start there right <laughs> start start there and here's joe like a multi-millionaire super successful business person and he couldn't even work the till at Dairy Queen because he didn't. <laughs> but whose crucible was learning English in a country where he had not been living very long. I mean, that's an amazing story. It was a great adventure. Yeah. It was, it was exciting. Yeah. 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 And you learned the Canadian English, so that's even better than the American English, right. which is perfect. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, it, it, one of the other things is editing. Yeah. Um, and, you know, this is actually a passion of yours. Mm -hmm. It's an expertise. You're mm -hmm. one of the world's greatest editors. Um, how has technology as a servant impacted you and the business in journalism in the context of editing? Well, you know, th <laughs> that's a great question. And uh, right now, well, let me let me start with the, with a direct answer to your question. Being just being able to write and rewrite very easily um, using Word or you know or Google Docs or whatever makes life easier. It's not like anything you commit to the page, <coughs> pardon me, is permanent. So it makes that takes a lot of the stress out of writing and editing. Um, it's also much easier to iterate with authors when you can just send by email or Slack yeah. a story back and forth. Or it's cut and paste. Cut, cut and paste. <laughs> but the, the collaboration. We're, we're, we're the same vintage, so we know what it was like when you could not cut and paste. We know what it was like when, if you wanted to correct a mistake, you needed whiteout. Right. Right? Yeah. So <laughs> that changed everything for me. But one of the things we think a lot about, David, is how generative AI is going to change the whole enterprise and yes. I do not have an answer for you but now that the synthetic powers of artificial intelligence can do a pretty good job of putting together an HBR article mm -hmm. how do we think about the whole the whole project of 
identifying the most the most consequential insights for our readers who are business and organizational leaders and then bringing it to them in the most compelling way right yeah. and and that is something we're spending a lot of time thinking about it's so interesting because in the content space which i didn't think i'd be a part of and i probably produce more content than most human beings on earth and i've noticed because i've published so much content that i could go from zero to one with any type of article like an hbr article and say you know write an article about you know branding uh, utilizing traditional branding in today's market as it for an HBR article in the style of HBR yes or, or <laughs> even too beyond that in the style of HBR as if I was David Meltzer speaker author entrepreneur sports executive and it is a great starting point yeah but yet it still needs editing it still needs editing and and you know we're not telling people don't use Gen AI. I mean, it's like saying don't we don't use Google. It's ridiculous. <laughs> exactly. And how? Why wouldn't you? And how would we ever police that, right? Yeah. But you know, it's a great way to test your critical judgment. I mean, if you're gonna if you're gonna say write an article about marketing, etc., in the style of HBR for this and that audience, um, and you as the author don't go through that article and make it sound make it make sure that you can get behind every single assertion that the logic is airtight that you believe it um because gen ai isn't thinking it's synthesizing Correct. it's predicting so and i'm telling you to <laughs> so I'm, I'm sure you needed that information um th then you know then you you should not be published Right, you have to be able to. You have to stand behind what you write. You have to take responsibility. The 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 right. the, the responsibility still belongs to the human being. Right? And because it synthesizes, it also can verify. So we can put through, back in, say, please point out anything that may not be true. But here here's. It can verify up to a point. It can verify based on the concatenation of ideas that it it can gather. And the, but and the data, the data that it's accessing. But we don't know if issue, that's right? true. I, right. And, and so that brings what my point is, is that there's going to be this new relationship that's already started with the truth. Mm -hmm. Oh, my gosh. And yes. <laughs> yeah, right. And so and it's why I do so much in person, mm -hmm. um, because I believe that there's going to be a huge shift uh, that people are going to want to see you in person to verify what you're saying. Oh, that's so interesting. And I think you're right. And you combine, I mean, now that you say that, yes, the penny drops. And we've all spent the last three years looking at each other in little boxes on our screen. And, and so there's, it's, it's, the, it's the need to, to verify. But I think it's also... I think the experience of reality is still a little mind-blowing for people. And, right. and that is, there's a truth in reality, right? Oh, yeah. What's her name? I, I'm drawing a blank because I'm not a big music person. Uh, is it Katie, who's doing the big tour? I have six suites. Oh, I my just made God. A is it Katie? No, Taylor Swift. Taylor Swift, thank you. So, because I get all these calls for and Taylor Swift. you call Swift. yourself a father of three daughters? Exactly. Well, I have a lot of names flowing in my head. But thank you, because I have, worse than that, I... Have the biggest suite at SoFi Stadium. 
so you can imagine how many friends I have yes. at the moment. And they just expanded <laughs> it to six concerts. Oh my gosh. Um, and she's gonna make a half a billion dollars. Um, and yet, I see a huge, even yesterday I did a meetup here. I do 200 meetups uh -huh. wherever I go. Uh -huh. And it was the most people I've ever had show up in person uh, for a meetup. There, there is a desire for people to have the energy connection of reality. Oh, and yes, I think that's so true. And then the, 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 way, the way Taylor Swift challenges the rules laid down for her and says, no, I'm not playing by those rules. That, what, what an amazing exemplar she is. But I, uh, back, to, back to your point yeah. about just being there in person, you know, um, I, I, I think that's why we're seeing so much um, of this kind of revenge travel or whatever they're calling it, where people just are going anywhere they can that's not their screen. <laughs> in, their, in their extra traveler. bedroom. Yeah. So if you hear me say that and I forget to give you credit, it's because oh, I it's can't not remember. Mine. Do not credit me. I, I, I was going to say, I can't remember Taylor Swift. I'm going to remember Amy Bernstein's name to that. But since <laughs> I'll just say, I don't remember who told me. Um, Joe, I have a question. So you're a very successful entrepreneur. Um, have you heard of Harvard Business Review? Absolutely. And have you utilized it in order to effectuate a better perspective on how best to do business and in to maximize opportunity once in a while but it's uh it's definitely a great resource and uh we we work with a lot of people who utilize harvard business review to get the job done which i think is a really good point because you're in the contracting business he's in uh restoration create a SaaS mm -hmm. solution to just like technology has helped uh with editing they provide information to insurance companies right which was a huge interference and he systemized and it made it efficient but it's interesting because I like to point out how people use what you do. Mm -hmm. And it's different usually when people tell me how they use certain things that I do. And I find it interesting, would a contract even know what his PR is? And his perspective was, yeah, I check it out once in a while, but it's more important to me to know that the insurance companies are reading that stuff and how to utilize technology and insurance mm -hmm. or marketing aspects or all the things that I've learned from HBR. Um, now, employment for journalism, because this is kind of the playbook of success. A lot of people, you have this, the writer strike. Mm -hmm. uh, they feel nervous about technology. I, I, I know, for example, with AI, that people like you are in high demand because without people like you, they can't have. Oh, I'm so relieved to hear that. <laughs> <laughs> but it's true that linguists are actually who are the most important component that there's still a human aspect to it. Mm -hmm. um, being someone who's in that business, where do you see the business of journalism going with everything that's going on? Uh, you know, I read something in Axios that really, that really resonated with me, which is that, you know, in the world where it, you know, all you need to do is prompt to get a reasonable, um, a reasonable piece of content to answer your questions, right? I think the role of expertise, of um, authority, and um, expertise, authority, and the ability to see what's coming up over the horizon and apply it, for, so the theory applied to the practice, 
based on ex the experience of people like you, the reader, which is what we do, I think that becomes more valuable. I mean, Gen AI is not going to cast you into the future very well right now. It's going to tell you what's, it's everything it does, it does based on what has already happened and yeah. what's already been input, right? And uh, searchability, so I started my career after law school with Westlaw, mm -hmm. so it was bullying, mm -hmm. lang bullying language, slash mm -hmm. S, slash P, quote unquote, so right. little did I know that one little experience of understanding searchability of text would be a critical component to my success. Uh, you know, <laughs> I'm an excellent Googler because I learned on Nexus. Right. Right. Lexus Nexus. Yeah. Yeah. And so we were the in Boolean the same vintage. The Boolean logic and right. all of that stuff. And it's so applicable today. Right. Um, so there is this variable of access that people think access is answers, but it gives you a better choice. But human nature is something that, believe it or not, I study HBR articles for because human nature never changes. But isn't business exactly where human nature plays itself out? In history and present and the future. Yeah, absolutely. You know, the other thing that I think the human being becomes even um, an even more important factor in, in, in the world of journalism is just crafting something delightful, right? Entertaining and Enter delightful. Yeah, just, yeah. you know, making ideas, helping ideas land Using intuition, understanding what the concerns of the reader may be, and trying uh, trying to anticipate it, not telling the reader what he knows, what she knows, but helping the reader see beyond the obvious, seeing beyond what's right in front of them. And that's, and that's a really important part of what we do and what your daughter will do. Now I'm gonna insult Joe for a second. Part of the reason I bring Joe on is because I see him as average Joe, <laughs> right? I don't he's think an immigrant. Joe's average. Well, in, in the respect that he's an immigrant, he's in the contracting business. He's, you know, this extraordinary success. Uh huh. But pe the the average Joe can identify more with Joe in his business than me or you. Right. And, and so I, I I love your perspective. You talked about intuition, but. There's intelligence, intuition, and inspiration that, that, that I gather from HBR, right? There, there's a lot of intelligence that goes into that, mm -hmm. but there's this intuitive uh, reasoning and thought, and then there's inspiration, the delightful, yeah. right? And so that's how I categorize why someone says, Dave, why do you read that all the time? Because it's intelligent, it's intuitive, and it's inspirational for me. Joe, average Joe, sorry, I don't mean to offend you, but you know, for you, when you are reading HBR stuff, you know, w what are you looking for? Is it all three, one of the, t the three? Well, it's the same thing, it's a great source, it's like a go-to place for, you know, everything you need to know. So, so we assume that uh, even if you use AI, it's been checked out so we can rely on that source of truth. Mm -hmm. yeah. mm -hmm. and, and I want to finish with the credibility side of it. Yes. Um, just the name Harvard is going to provide an extraordinary amount of credibility mm -hmm. throughout the world, mm -hmm. um, but it also, you know, comes with a, a lot of pressure for you because of sourcing data. Uh, is that your chief concern, credibility over anything well, else? Protecting the brand is a is always top of mind for me. You know, getting stuff right is, of course 
it, there's nothing more important than getting things right. But occasionally we get things wrong. Right. And so oh, you're human then. We're human. <laughs> but the important thing there is to be transparent about it, to own it, to say what the problem is, and never to make that mistake again. But we tell our readers, we tell our audience when we have to correct something or change something. And, and that's, that's sort of standard operating procedure in journalism, particularly journalism online. Um, but, I, you know, I, it takes some of the pressure off when you realize that if you make an honest mistake and you own it, then it's okay. It's okay. Yeah, forgiveness is another quality of human nature. Yeah, uh, grace. And I certainly see that throughout the years of someone who has read so many different articles and enhanced uh, not only my personal life, but especially my professional life uh, by consuming an intelligent perspective, uh, aligning my intuition with it, mm -hmm. and then becoming inspired, which is truly the most important thing mm -hmm. that I find with what you do and how you do it. And I wanted to take the time to have you come in here to thank you uh, for everything you do because there's so few uh, sources that we can go to anymore that I feel confident in that intelligence, intuition, and inspiration. And it's nice to have somewhere safe to learn. And that's the way that I portray HBR, whether it's right or wrong or on brand or off brand, I will ask for forgiveness. But Amy, thank you so much for joining Joe and I here on The Playbook. Oh, it's been a real pleasure. I thank you so much for inviting me to join you. Amazing. Thank you, everyone, especially Collision, for allowing me to hijack their next stage podcast booth. And we've put the playbook everywhere. This is, I've been in Collision since uh, New Orleans. Mm. It's been so long. They remember me with uh, no gray hair. But anyway, it's been a pleasure. Please, everyone, join us as a David Meltzer with the playbook.